Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Chinmay is the Chief Business and Finance Officer at Vesta, which helps operations teams with comprehensive dashboard to ensure their future success. In the interview, Chinmay shares how he wanted to stand out and that led him to entrepreneurship quite early in his life. He also shares the importance of learning as a leader and how he learned and became good at sales. We also touched upon his passion for music and traveling and how this helps him find balance and deal with the pressures that come with entrepreneurship. Hi, Chinmay. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hey, Sumit. Hi. Pleasure to be talking to you today. It's wonderful to have you here with us. And for the listeners, can you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and what do you do today? Sure, Sumit. So I am the co-founder and chief business and finance officer at Vesta, quality assurance platform. Vesta is an organization that enables facilities to simplify their operations. So we work with every single private airport in India. We work with hotels and resorts, malls and manufacturing facilities to enable their CXOs and leadership to view insights by digitizing their operational processes. So personally, I come from a background of enterprise sales and solutions. I've worked in Pune, Hyderabad and Bangalore. I've recently moved back to Pune for Vesta and we're driving it forward into the Indian market. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And before we go into this, can you share a little bit of your backstory, how you got started on entrepreneurship? Oh, absolutely. So I've completed my engineering in mechanical from a college in Pune called PESMCOE. And I've always been fascinated with doing something of your own. Now, initially, that started off more as, a, as an idea driven by external factors because entrepreneurship and startups was that something that was booming. And I used to envision the kind of freedom a startup founder would get when they start their own companies. The reality is something very different. It's a lovely struggle, but it's one journey. So I worked in a company called Car IQ. That was my first organization I joined. It's led by Sagar Apte, who is my mentor even today. And he gave me a lot of opportunities to explore the realm of manufacturing, sales, customer support, etc. 
and I've been part of multiple roles in that one company. It really gave me a sense of one, how difficult the journey is, but how rewarding it can be. And two, how much fun it is to delve deep into different realms of the business, to understand different aspects of the business, and then hopefully add a lot of value to either enterprises or end consumers directly. Post my journey with Car IQ, I worked, I realized that since I come from a mechanical background and I'm now in software, I don't have the necessary skills to understand software per se. So I joined as a business analyst in a company uh, called Inva Systems. They work, they digitize your, your sales route planning and beat planning and those kind of tools for distributors in retail. They're largely into retail. I learned quite a bit from a technical standpoint, though not hardcore coding, but at least the fundamentals of the technical aspects of software. And then I moved into a company called Mate Labs that was based out of Bangroll, which is now rebranded as Crest. They, they had a really amazing products on AI for a supply chain. I learned a little bit more about the future of technology and I've also observed entrepreneurship closely, having worked with the founders directly in those stints that I had in my previous organizations. So we started Vesta recently, this is a couple of years ago, to solve this challenge and all of this experience put together is what gave me faith that this is something that I can and I should do. Whether I succeed or not is a different story, but I find the journey to be rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think a couple of things caught my attention. Let me start with the earliest one, which you said that you always sure. uh, like wanted to either do something on your own or to experience freedom. Can you right. share where that desire or that drive was coming from? Sure. Uh, this was back in college when I started a company. It was not really a company. It was just a venture with my friend to sell t-shirts to colleges. We would customize print and make t-shirts. And I started enjoying that a lot more than actually studying for mechanical engineering because it, I used to go around different colleges. We used to try and make deals. We didn't even have a company registered. So it was all on paper, mm -hmm. on calls, it was on WhatsApp. And that really got me interested that maybe mechanical engineering is not something I'd like to do. And this is something that's way more adventurous. And it's also something that fascinated me because I had a story to tell people. And that story would, people would appreciate that because something else, it was some, not something mm. that they would normally do as an engineer, right? So uh, it was interesting for people to hear out my story. And that was, it was, it's a very shallow reason in my opinion, but it's still a reason that got me interested in pursuing something of my own later on. Yeah. Yeah. So you wanted to stand out, right? That would be I like wanted to, to stand out. That's the, yeah, that's where it all started from. Okay. Earlier, you also mentioned, right, that whether you succeed or fail, whether something works out or not is very different. And when I see like mechanical engineering or any engineering, you try to get it all in control, you're trying to design, you're trying to plan, strategize, so that it doesn't fail. So in, in that way, entrepreneurship or business or leadership is very different because you cannot know, because you cannot be safe that this will work out. And so can you share that, the balance between these two, what gives you that like courage or what else is there uh, that allows you, given your background as an engineer, to play out in a game which is very different from engineering because you're starting with and dealing with uncertainty almost daily. Absolutely. So with that, I'd like to consider myself as probably a jack of more trades than, say, master of one. And I've always enjoyed keeping my foot in different places, experiencing different sides of, say, a business or life in general as well. So apart from just standing out, uh, I would I always felt, and maybe I'm wrong here, there might be roles outside in the market that let you do otherwise, but I always felt that I'm limited in a particular role in an organization. I don't, I'll be very honest, I don't have, a, have the patience to wait it out 
to grow in terms of acquiring more responsibility or in terms of acquiring more uh, broader skill set. This might backfire, <laughs> but it's a risk I'm willing to take as someone who's working for my own organization. But that is something that's very alluring. I love being part of finance. I love being part of solutioning. I love being part of enterprise sales. I love being or building relationships with clients, really understanding the problem statements and then consulting them or suggesting different solutions. It's all, it always keeps my brain running and I have that it gives me a kind of rush. I'm fortunate that the organization that we founded does the exact same thing, but I see a good fit over here to continue a pursuit and entrepreneurship as my life journey. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now coming to the organization, can you share about sure. what is it that you're trying to achieve maybe in the foreseeable future? And then why does it matter? Why this company? Why this business? Why this industry and so on? Sure, Sumit. Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier on in the conversation, Vesta serves facilities. We work with primarily in the aviation sector. We also work in the hotels, resorts, malls, and manufacturing side of things as well. We started a couple of years ago, and this is one point I'd love to bring out. I'm fortunate to have a fantastic team. I work with a fantastic bunch of co-founders. Two of them, the CEO and the COO, Tarang and Simran, they're from the same background. So they were ex-hoteliers. Uh, they understand the market very well. And we were able to really discuss figure out the best uh, that we could offer to the market. Our initial gambles on that solution did work and we were able to see a good amount of traction. So the industry we serve, the reason we serve this particular industry is I still believe facility management as an industry is extremely crowded. The space is very competitive, but all the solutions out there lack one key feature which we really focus on and that's simplicity. So simplicity at an end usage level is what really makes us stand out. And I believe that can also be the future of FM going forward. With all these new technologies coming up, things like chat GPT or automation through RPA or say AI in the potential future, in the potential near future, we see ourselves being able to simplify the usage or the way people consume our services in a much more efficient, much more simpler way that can in turn drive a lot more data and give you analytics and insights at the back end. So that's one key aspect that we are focusing on. And if you look, if you're asking me, about the future of this industry and where we plug into it. It's all about collaboration. So we work effectively with our partner network. We also build mm -hmm. our own services and solutions. Rapidly integrating different technologies to serve that industry is probably my opinion what's going to help make or break companies in that sector. So yeah. that's a small overview of yes. why we are what we do. Yeah, yeah. And what challenges, what are some of those biggest challenges that you see either for for the organization, but also for you as a as an individual, as a leader going forward? Sure. In terms of organization growth is, so I would say that we have found product market fit to a large extent. We understand our space reasonably well. We are learning new things every single day. But in terms of, of a challenge per se, being able to operate lean while serving a broader range of customers and still meeting demands which lie outside the purview of the product solution we provide. Uh, is a big thing because the kind of clientele we serve, they have very unique requirements. We don't operate like a pure SaaS company where it's a one product fit all. We have a SaaS offering on which we custom build things for different clients. Every airport functions a different way. Every manufacturing facility functions a different way. We are focusing on and how do I balance growth while maintaining all these operational hurdles at the back end while still maintaining a lean team and a lean framework is what is our key challenge as of date today. In terms of, you did mention early leader, so I would just have a, I would have a point to that. We consider ourselves learners in this industry right now. In terms of how we lead, we all lead this company, we all lead our own individual 
you know, verticals in this company. Example, Arang, the CEO, he looked after sales and relationships. We have Simran, who also is from the hospitality background. She leads implementations and client servicing, as well as the product side as well, to a good extent. We have a fantastic CTO who builds these products. I look at finance and solutioning. So we each lead our own independent verticals, but we also collaborate together very effectively. Uh, and from scratch to where we are today, at least, this is what has shown to have worked out quite well. Thank you. So yeah. these are areas of leadership that I would speak about. Yeah. And what would be your own biggest challenges, uh, let's say, for the next three to five years? Sure. So one of my biggest challenges right now is I'm not an SME in, the, in, in a specific facilities domain space. So I'm absolutely loving the massive learning curve that I'm going through. And across different industries, it is a challenge to really look at all the requirements the clients have, sit down, understand, learn, and then bifurcate that into what's going to be actually usable. And that makes sense for a financial investment from our clients and then propose that as a solution. Now, if you multiply that across all the sectors and all the clients you work with, that's one personal challenge I face. The second challenge that I will, or all of us will face is when we go grow into the hiring mode, we will soon be hitting pretty reasonable hiring mode in the near future. And how do we hire right talent, the correct people to join the organization? How do we ensure that we are looking at long-term profitability and long-term hiring as a whole hire and fire thing that's going on right now? And how do we ensure that everyone who joins the company really gets what they deserve at a personal level as well as a professional level and their development is something that we see as a challenge as well. So these two things are something that we are very keen on focusing on. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you equate leadership with learning. And I think this is a point many people miss out on that. And that I have discovered that the best leaders are those like who always continue to learn, right? Who have a learning mindset rather than I know it all or I like I will be the boss who has to control or get things in order. Um, but learning, I think, gives you that humility, that empathy that is so often missing in, in leaders. So thank you for adding that part of it, right? And with the same, right, I want to add that uh, no entrepreneurship journey is without surprises or without challenges. And then there are moments of pressure, right? So how do you invest in yourself? How do you continue to learn as you deal with those surprises, right? That could be COVID, that could be suddenly a person leaving the organization. How do you manage pressure? How do you continue to learn yourself? Sure. So there will be two parts for this answer. The first part is regarding addressing the problem statement directly. And the second part would be how do I manage myself when it comes to uncertainties? One is we do take challenges head on. Uh, like I said, we are all of us are heavily invested into the organization and we have challenges every single day. We go through phases where a deal is going to work today, but in the evening we get a call that, hey, this is not happening. And then we have to convert that into a sale again by by literally the next morning. So we go through that process. And I think each of us individually, having gone through the turbulent times, COVID was really turbulent for us because we were dealing with purely hotels back then and hotels shut down. Mm -hmm. So it was a difficult time. But we just took that head on. And then the hoteling, the co-founding team that comes from the hotel background, right? They had a fantastic idea to also move to airports. So we did pay and then we moved to airports. So it was a process of actually going through that challenge itself that helped us learn. There was, we didn't have the time, the bandwidth, or maybe even the majority look at it from very diff different angles and analyze that from past experience because we didn't have any in for this particular uncertainty. So just writing it out is what helped us learn. And we try to make notes of it and implement that if a black swan event does come again in the future. The second aspect is about how do I personally handle challenges. So I do try to keep myself occupied with certain hobbies. There I do accept there will be pressures. So I play instruments, I'm into music a little heavily. 
so that helps me zone out and also balance myself and get back on track the next day yeah tell me a bit more about that a little heavily right what do you mean what else is there in your life apart from work and then you connected yeah. it with uh, managing your pressure managing it right. so can you share what else do you do what else keeps you occupied and then how does that how is it related or maybe not related to what you do sure so when i say heavily into music i'm actively a guitarist i have a band i play with them i play with them live once in a while though it makes me very humble because if i am to perform on stage and not make a fool out of myself i know how much goes behind the curtains to be able to deliver a strong performance that's not a pressure really because i'm comfortable playing the guitar i stick to my comfort zone because this is a hobby and not a full time thing but that gives me a chance to really zone out have fun with my bandmates and just let steam out and then back to work the next day so that's one we are dealing with it the second thing i do is i travel quite a bit and it's all offbeat travel with my we both love exploring places that people have not gone to and i make video logs of it which i don't post online but it's just something for my family that i keep doing actively mm-hmm. so yes. these are two ways yeah i love that i think you have a creative side to yourself and i don't know you you realize it or not yet but i think that helps in leadership also because if you are like playing in a band then no matter how well prepared you are you have to deal with uh, like being on the stage or being okay to fail because it, the more you try to control the more difficult it gets in the moment and uh, that's very true for leadership as well right to deal with pressure but to be light about it to be okay about it and uh, i know a lot of people who like their health suffers or their relationship suffers because their business is suffering and i think any creative act allows you to create that boundary uh, between what i am doing and what who i am and paradoxically that helps you be, become better at whatever you are doing right whether it is music or business that helps you become better so i think that's a wonderful example that you shared from your life so thank you for for doing that most welcome yeah yeah is there something which people like misunderstand about you or people get wrong about you when you meet them when you go out work and everything i have a slightly more interesting take on this i'm glad you asked this question but typically i don't feel people get people wrong it's about how you are projecting yourself that gets read so mm-hmm. i've always been recently i try to go deep into it is always an inward journey so any day a person will read you truly boils down to how you're projecting yourself in that moment because i believe and it helps believing this in my opinion is that people do read you accurately so if there's something that a person is reading about me that can be wrong it might not be wrong per se it's just how i'm projecting a certain part of me to be and i try to gauge that of course it can't be a direct connection all the time but at how is it that i'm coming off to people as well but sometimes in some situations they do take me for an extrovert and that is really not the case i am probably more of an introverted person because of being in sales i'm used to talking and hearing out people and maintaining conversations so yeah that that that's one thing they do get wrong quite often yeah yeah i think that's a, it's quite deep insight right a lot of people do not get that right what others perceive them is could be something that they are projecting and then that is also uncomfortable because then you're pointing finger back at yourself rather than at the other person which is which is so easy many times to do thank you for sharing that but now that you mentioned being an introvert being into sales can you Uh, sure maybe because i know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or founders who come from that technical background and then they struggle with sales or communication what advice would you give them like somebody who feels that they are an introvert or they don't want to talk to people and yet continue to be responsible for their business growth and like doing everything that comes with being an entrepreneur sure so i think that's a great question and i do believe very strongly that all founders irrespective of what role they play in the company or at least most of them should really focus on selling because your early clients what you learn from them 
and how you align your product to change based on their needs is what's going to most likely make or break you. In terms of sales advice, the way I was lucky enough to work directly with Sagar from Karak, who would take me along to his business meeting while I was in a t-shirt and torn jeans and he would still take me along and I learned a lot. So it was just by observing someone very senior who had a knack for sales. He come from a sales background himself, but he's extroverted. He can really talk. And that's my opinion that he's mm-hmm. extroverted, but he can talk and he can really hold a conversation. So I tried to take cues from him to start with. And when I did sales for my own company, along with Charan early on when the company started, is also when I gained a lot of experience on the field. So if you are a technical person and if you are extroverted, you can still easily do sales. If you're introverted, I would recommend really tagging along with someone experience to learn the craft of selling. It's not selling per se, to learn the craft of building with the people you connect with. Because out of 100 people, if you look at it as a sales list, you're going to attack 100 and end up closing five. But if you look at it as a relationship list, then you're going to hit 100 and eventually over the course of time, maybe convert 15 or 20 of them. And that makes all the difference in the world. Tagging along with an experienced person, as well as just riding out that entire challenge of Picking up the phone and dialing is what would really start helping founders who are not from that background. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that speaks from experience because so many times people focus on themselves when sales makes them uncomfortable. And what you're sharing is focusing on the other person and building the relationship first and not just seeing it as a transaction. And, right. and yeah, and you also mentioned that you do have to get on the calls, right? So you do have to have that courage to take the action. But then once you take the action, focusing on the other person and how you can serve them uh, is what will allow like the sales to, uh, rather than like just being an extrovert or just talking, many times sales is also a lot about uh, listening. And I think that was what I was listening in when you were sharing. Very true, Sumit. It is. I would agree to that part about listening for sure. Yes. So let me ask you this, right? So if I zoom out three to five years and let's say everything that you try to do works out, it works successful, right? So how... What is the vision that you're aiming to create, right, in the world around you, in the society around you? How will life be different if, like, what you're doing is very successful, let's say, for the next half a decade? Sure. So is this about me personally or are you asking about the organization as a whole? I'm asking about if you and your organization are successful, how will the world be different? How What will happen as a result of your success, your organization's success? Sure. We have a pretty humble but very straightforward and very clear mission on this. We want to make the lives of everybody who operates in facilities, be it at a ground level supervisor or a ground level person or a janitor, all the way to the CXO as easy as possible. So the simplest vision we have, which I would personally say is achievable, is digitizing or automating as many of the processes as we can without reducing the impact of having a human in that particular role. I'm personally in awe of AI or automation, but at the same time, my opinion, and it, I'm happy if someone counters that, my opinion is that it is going to threaten certain jobs, right? Which will get automated. There's nothing most people can do about it. So you're yeah. also envisioning creating solutions or tools that can reshuffle how people work in the facilities domain while still augmenting their current skill set and enabling it to do much better. Because at the end of the day, a facility serves the customer or the client who is the facility or the customer that buys from that facility, which is a B2B facility, right? So enabling a smoother service to their clients by reducing the headaches of your backend operations is what we really want to take care of. We understand that the market right now is fragmented. If you look at a large facility, they use multiple different solutions. None of them are in tandem. It's early for it. Integrations are now starting to happen, but it's still a little early. So if we can seamlessly have one platform take care of everything, then mm-hmm. the facility just operates very differently. Yeah. And that's a world that we would love to see. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful debate these days, which is happening with AI and like, where will AI 
reduce jobs and how will it impact like human beings? So when you go out, when you talk to your clients or potential clients, does this create friction? Because in a way you are helping them grow their business, but then that could also, because of the simplification, that could also lead to a leaner organization. It could also lead to letting some people go. And so I just, I was just curious to figure out how does that play out? Do you, do you talk about it or how do you address the human side of it when the solution which you're providing is, let's say, very technical or very process driven? I think that's a fantastic point to debate on. One thing I would like to bring up, this is more of a disclaimer, is AI is a little nascent in facilities management, although it's going to ramp up very soon. We personally see certain jobs being threatened and certain jobs not being threatened, just being augmented. We do get concerns from clients that, okay, if you're automating these processes, what will this person do or what will that person do? But there's always a workaround because like I mentioned, it's augmented. It's not completely replacing something. A classic example or case in point is we also impact customer experience for passengers visiting an airport through our solutions. But you can't have a fully automated kiosk and or maybe say a screen that takes all the feedback but not have a person to address that because a large portion of our country and maybe all of it all of us still sometimes we do yearn for a human contact right, or a point of touch, a touch point that is human and not necessarily completely automated. This is especially true with language barriers, with cultural barriers. Language can still be overcome, but cultural barriers are hard to overcome for AI systems. So this is one point the, that we do get a lot, but there is always a place where people can still play important roles. Our opinion is that even in facilities, these roles are going to shift more towards handling people, handling mm -hmm. your people who come to your facility as guests because you want to treat them as a guest and less on the operation side. So revamping your entire workforce to be able to serve this kind of a client or this kind of a service is what's going to be key. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. I think, I think to add my perspective, I also see AI or any new technology as a net positive. And even though it might have, let's say, a short-term turbulence for some people might have to reskill themselves for the organization as a whole and also for society and for what you're trying to do as a whole, it will eventually, just like we use washing machines now and we don't use labor there. And similarly, future people will do things like automatically, which they have been doing manually. But that doesn't mean that this has to be a negative element around that. So thank you for adding that perspective. And I was recently like flying from like from Delhi to Mumbai and I'm sure I must have touched some of the work that you're doing right without knowing that you are the company you are the reason behind that and yeah so I want to add that right so often in leadership we do not see who is responsible for an experience and I want to like congratulate you and acknowledge you and then I don't know how many other companies or products which we don't even see when we like go through the airport and we go through the hotel or go through a shopping mall and then there's so much behind that which makes that experience possible and many times uh, that is missing, right? We don't acknowledge, we don't celebrate leaders. And it's so easy to blame when something goes wrong, but not easy to celebrate them. So I want to like acknowledge that and that even though it is hidden, I must have touched or interacted with some of your systems or processes. And I'm glad for that. And thank you for the work you're doing. So before, uh, before we wrap up, right? Any lasting thoughts or if somebody wants to reach out to you or find out more about what you're doing, what is the best way for them to do so? Sure. First of all, Sumed, I'd like to take your thanks, divide it equally and give it to all my co-founders, the industry, competitors and our clients. I think it's because of them that this whole thing is alive and kicking. Second, if they do want to touch base with us, if anybody wants to get in touch, I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Our, our, our website is www.checkin.co, C-H-E-C-K-I-A-A.co. Happy to answer queries from there or if anyone is interested, they can reach out to me personally and I'm happy to discuss with them. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jinmay, for sharing that and for being who you are and everything that you do. And I wish you all the best for everything that you are aiming for doing the future as well. Thank you so much, Sumit. I really appreciate being invited to the podcast. I wish you all the success in the world as well. And I hope more and more people get to learn, even if with tiny fragments of information, that's still going to add a lot of value. So thank you for hosting the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Jinmay. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.